Hi, and welcome to The View from the Trenches, the show where we give listeners the rundown on all the latest action right from the heart of the City of London. In today's episode, we'll be talking about the market outlook for 2020 and the key themes that could dominate in the year ahead. But before we get started, please take a few moments to listen to our disclaimer. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. The information in this podcast is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to an authorised financial advisor. Past performance is not a reliable indicator of future returns. Here's the podcast and I hope you enjoy listening. Hi, welcome to the show everybody. My name is James Faulkner. I'm joined by Neil Pearson of Hybridan. Happy New Year, Neil. Yeah, Happy New Year to you. <laughs> yeah, so uh, 2020, we're off to a quite good start. Yeah. And we, we also had a bit of a Santa rally at the end of 2019. Um, to begin with, just just sum up um, 2019 for us. Yeah, I mean, I, t- I don't want to spend too much time. It's, I think everyone knows how, how tough it was. I mean, AIM had its, had its lowest number since, since 2003, about 863, um, and just 36 IPOs. And, you know, everybody knows the behind that around the election and the uncertainty about Brexit. Um, hopefully now we've got more certainty there, um, we, we'd start to see things pick up. And you're right, you know, we had the Santa rally um, soon after the election. We had a handful of IPOs, I think most notably MJ Hudson, which was a you know the, the asset manager consultancy. They raised 29 million, 57p, um, and they're generally flat on that. But, but no, we're, we're hoping for, uh, I think, a, a better year this year. How has 2020 started then in, in your assessment so far? Well, there's always, there's always going to be a, um, a lag time behind the certainty that we've, we've got coming out of the election and, and hopefully Brexit by the end of the month. And there's always going to be a round of five to six month lead time on, on seeing an IPO come through because these things, these things take time. But I think, I think generally we, we'd quite like to see some sort of... Uh, uh, you know, some secondary starting to, to, to come through, some some nice placings. I, I know uh, a lot are being uh, planned right now, um, you know, and, and hopefully uh, get to start see a few intention to floats starting to, to come out as, as well. But, you know, hoping May, June, we'd start to see the IPOs yeah. um, c- come through. Um, because in, in the last episode, we were talking about how, um, you know, the, the dearth of listing activity in the UK also, we've had the election since since the last time we spoke. What, what impact has that had on sentiment, do you think, and especially on the prospects for the IPO market? Yeah, I think it's had a, a, a real, I think, a real boost because you know people were were quite concerned around around Labour um, and some of the policies, and especially around small caps and the in the city. Um, but I think it was largely given towards Brexit and the Conservatives were quite clear in terms of what they were wanting to do Brexit. But I, and I think with that in or out question, you know, late last year, the city just didn't really care. They just wanted some certainty. Yeah. And I guess all, all of that, those, that sentiment, it, it has to trickle down. It, it normally affects the, you know, the, the big blue chip mm. companies. Um, <clears throat> and I think with certainly some smaller companies on AIM that service those big blue chips who's had contracts um, delayed. We're hoping now these big companies have, have, have certainty on Brexit, they're going to start pulling the trigger mm. and saying, right, we're going to deploy spend here. 
we're going to start buying goods and services of smaller companies. So we're hopefully to start to see some positive RNSs coming out yeah. of small caps. And that's been reflected in the market, hasn't it? Because the small caps have significantly outperformed the larger counterparts since the election. Uh, absolutely. They've, um, you know, looking at some of the contract news that's come out already, we've had, um, you know, a, a good set of of RNSs come out, and and I think, you know, and M and A activity is, as well. We're going to see more of that this year. It's not always good. You know, it can be quite predatory. Look at Serious Minerals. Yeah. Um, you know, Anglo American snapping those guys up. You know, it it wasn't wasn't far you know long ago that those series was up at, at, at 40p and the deal's been done at you yeah. know five and a half so <laughs> it's um i think we'll, we'll start to see a lot more of that because last year was a record year for for private equity um in terms of the money they raised they raised over i think something ridiculous like 340 billion dollars so they're looking to to deploy that cash and i think the market is uh, is quite an opportune hunting ground because mm. valuations are so depressed these guys are predatory. They are opportunist. So I think there'll be a lot of disgruntled shareholders when you know they're being bought out at all-time lows. One thing that may have slipped under most people's radar is the the FCA fine on the uh, the managing director of Braemar Shipping. Mm. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So this all came around through the the, the market abuse regulation, uh, which has been around for for four years now. It's it's all about the, the the very good stuff the FCA are doing around in better instilling governance in in smaller companies, especially in managing around the insider process. So when what kind of information various people are are privy to, you know, whether it's contract deals or or anything related to any price sensitive information, whether when they're raising money, directors have to be very careful about making a note of, mm. of when they've taken someone inside, how long for and, and who. Something that the city institutional brokers have had to have been doing for a, a number of years. But it's more putting the onus on the company now. So this particular issue, everybody knows that when a director either buys or sells shares, they have to do something called a PDMR mm. notification, where, where this particular company uh, fell short. So they didn't release news of, of that particular um, employee trading. Uh, because he wasn't on the board. However, he was privy to inside information. So it was Dell, uh, the FCA, opined that that should have come under a PDMR because that particular employee, whilst not on the board, was privy to inside information. Mm. So if you're, uh, I don't know, a business development executive within a, an AIM company, you know, you're at the front line of of the sales and the mm. contracts and, you, you know, you are privy to inside information. So it's... It's it's only been I think the second case that the FCA have really um, hammered down and, and enforced yeah. the fine on Mars. So it's 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 I think it really it's a good reminder. I think a very useful reminder for smaller companies, especially, to be mindful of the of the regulation. So does this does this signal a sort of a change in the the culture around AIM then? Because I suppose it's worth highlighting how this doesn't actually happen very often, does it? This kind of thing. So. Yeah. No, it doesn't. And I think AIM, un- unfortunately, gets a real bad rap where you get these instances. You know, when you get big frauds, uh, you know, Tesco and, and BT, FTSE 100 companies, it's it, it doesn't get the same press as mm. a, a, a perhaps a, a fraudulent case on, on AIM because mm. it's, you know, it's, it's known as the, the incorrectly called the bad press around the Wild West or something. Yeah. But <laughs> it is very good where, where examples are, are made because... 
corporate governance, you know, the QCA corporate governance code that it's great to see many small companies adopting and the whole thing around ESG investing, G is the big governance around that. Investors are, you know, making it front and centre around their investment criteria. I mean, companies have to be, you know, incredibly conscious on, on governance because investors are, you know, incredibly mindful. Their compliance teams are very, you know, hot on the fund managers saying, okay, well, what kind of governance controls has, has your underlying portfolio companies got? So um, I'm relieved it is at the, um, you know, at, at the forefront and it's always um, reassuring when it's enforced because there's no mm. point having these regulations if it's not enforced. So regulation and compliance is set to be a, a, mm. a big theme again this year, um, as it has been for the yeah. past few years. But um, what other key themes can we expect um, from this I'm, year? I'm yeah, really interested in, in health tech right now. Goldman did a very interesting healthcare report, health tech care report quite recently. And the interesting point, I mean, healthcare deal activity is actually at its all-time highs. They, they saw... 32 billion announced in M&As which in, in 2019, which is the largest ever really mm-hmm. since, they, since they started looking at it. And this is the, the kind of the crossover between technology and healthcare. They're yeah. incredibly intertwined. You look at some of the majors like Amazon, Google, Best Buy, you know, all making uh, material acquisitions in the sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a Dundee spin-out company called um, Ascentia. Unfortunately, they, they were going to IPO last year, but, but for a, a number of reasons, they didn't. They signed a, a big 240 million euro deal with, with Bayer. So those guys are all about artificial intelligence and applying that to, to, to drug design. So mm. formulating algorithms that help us better design molecules and effectively find new drugs. Right. It's, it's kind of a one step more than machine learning. Machine learning has been around for you know, a, a number of years, you know, it's effectively the ability of computers to to, to learn from data. Artificial intelligence is, is, is kind of a word that's been banded around a lot right mm-hmm. now, but AI is really the next logical step for machine learning. It, it's essentially decision-making. AI is taking the human element out of decision-making. And, and when you look at quantum computing and the computer power that's, um, that's enhancing around that, that's hopefully you know, going to be within the next five to 10 years. Mm. And, and that is really exciting when you're looking at all the data that comes from a drug trial, you know, all the AI tech behind that, you know, we're, we're looking at finding, you know, world-class drugs within minutes, you know, yeah. weeks, months, rather than years. So that's a, that's a really exciting, yeah, health, health tech, and we're quite excited about that one. Any listed companies that we should be looking out for at the moment in that sector? I mean, physiomics, I mean, they've been doing, what a company that we look after, they've been doing machine learning for, for a number of years. So again, their algorithms, it's, it's very much AI-based, really, mm. machine learning. Companies such as Merck use them to, to kind of eliminate the guesswork in, in, in drug discovery. Mm. So they've been in machine learning for a number of years, as I said, nothing new and now looking to, to, to start going to, to, to AI. So I'll probably say they're the they're the most ad- advanced about that. And as I said, as it's as it's quite a topical space right now, we'd look to see more come through. Yeah. It's already been a, a significant outperformer over the past few years, but you expect more more to come from that space. Yeah. yeah. No, exactly. And perhaps another one, you know, cybersecurity, I, I think that's uh, largely an evergreen topic, you yeah. know, with increased regulation around GDPR, the cost of getting it wrong, 
to these companies about data breaches yeah. and fines. There'll be, I, I don't see heads of IT or FTSE 100 companies kind of depleting mm. spend in that area anytime soon. So we'd, we'd look for companies on market to you know, provide constant innovation. And mm. you know, it's great to see new companies come through in cybersecurity that are, are kind of servicing the ever-changing threat of, of, of cybersecurity. Any stocks in that sector we should be looking out for? It's, it's very difficult looking at the, the single product companies in, in cybersecurity. And, and we're always quite wary of them because you spend millions upon millions of pounds developing these products. Mm. And you never know in the next two to three years, will that product Is become it be superseded? Yeah. Will it be superseded? So we, we look after uh, a company who, who kind of flips this model on its head and, and has a tech transfer <laughs> approach to it. So if you're working with all the leading universities in this field, you're kind of constantly at the forefront of cybersecurity innovation. Mm. And if you're working to commercialize those ideas into the, the data cybersecurity products and services, you're constantly at the front of, of that innovation. So you're you're very conscious that you're not gonna fall behind in that threat. And again, I mentioned quantum computing again, you know, around you know, blockchain as, as well as the cryptographic codes that underpin blockchain or the, the B2B. I think it was take about 100 years for the world's most powerful computer to break those codes. <laughs> With quantum computing, that's going to happen in a matter of seconds. So if you look now, all the money that's going to blockchain, all the money that's going to cybersecurity and protecting these breaches is, is kind of going to have a, a steam drain ran through them. So it's very interesting. It's also very worrying. It's, it's a very malleable mm. sector. So it's, in, it, it's really interesting to invest in the ideas rather than the the, the singular the single products. products, right? Mm. In terms of qu- quantum computing, I can't think of a single stock list in the UK that sort of taps into that sector. Not yet. This is maybe very the US IBM. Put, yeah, the, the yeah. IBM GCHQ here. I mean, they, they'd all have. I think IBM or one of them has has one up, what, up and running right now. Mm. But in in terms of it being commercialised, is is five years? I think yeah. five to ten years. But you know, you look five years ago, and you look at some of the, the, the what we were doing then. It's it it moves at a hugely you know fast rate of knots, and it won't be any time. You know, it's probably five years is not not long at all. So I I think I mean it's, there will be one as always in AIM. It's very thematic. Mm. The first one's going to have quantum computing in its name, <laughs> and it will probably raise huge amounts of money and, and and probably deliver you know very little. And back to my point again with blockchain. You know, there could be an interesting blockchain play this year. Yeah. You know, three years ago, it was a buzzword. Yeah. Everybody invested in it. Everybody lost a lot of money in it. But three years, you know, they could have been doing customer trials, research and development, mm. get some contracts on the go. So it would, uh, yeah, it wouldn't be surprising if we saw saw a blockchain company that comes back to the market with meaningful revenues. Unfortunately, certain companies have, have less uh, a bad taste than that mm. when investors, you know, think of blockchain, they think of the failures. What reasons do we have to be bullish for the rest of 2020, do you think? If you're a smaller company, you're, you know, your VCT qualifying, or your ES qualifying VCTs, they, they raised, um, or the amount invested in VCTs over the 18, 19 tax years has been record-breaking, you know, 716 million, which is a huge amount for those guys to, to deploy if you're a qualifying company. So that's, that's reasons to be bullish. And I think in the US, Looking very strong as well. You know, they've, they've. I think there's about 60 IPOs filed with the SEC. 
then in here, back in here in the UK, you know, inflation's just hit a three-year low. Yeah. And even if the equity markets aren't playing ball, I, I think as the interest rates will, will probably look to, to fall off the back of that news, mm. you know, investors will um, or companies will still be looking towards alternative means of, of financing. Speaking of the US, what about valuations over there? Because a lot of people are quite worried, aren't they? That the you know the, the cyclical price to earnings ratio is looking really high versus you know historical yeah. comparisons. I mean, I, I was surprised when I read that that it, you know there were so many IPOs. Um, I think they're looking at raising a combined ten billion. So that's a you know that's a that's a lot of money, especially when you're looking at unicorn IPOs. You know, Uber, Lyft. You had terrible debuts. Mm-hmm. We all look at what we worked it. I mean, that was an absolute shocker. But you know, there's Airbnb that's that's looking to uh, IPO, and they I'm not sure if they've actually filed yet, but they've certainly said that after we work, we wanna we wanna pull the trigger. So I think it it all would all depend on Airbnb and, and how that goes, and that will kind of dictate the mood going forward. But I, I think the market's getting incredibly nervy around multi-billion dollar valuations mm. for effectively what are loss-making companies. Yeah. Okay. So lots to look forward to in 2020 and we'll be back next month. Look forward to it. Thanks, Neil. Cheers. Don't forget, you can access more great content, including Master Investor magazine at masterinvestor.co.uk. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can support us by hitting the subscribe button and by leaving a review. If you've got any suggestions about who you'd like us to interview or topics you'd like us to cover, please send us an email at info at masterinvestor.co.uk. Thanks for listening.